Good morning. <laughs> My name is Ben, and I'm a graduating high school senior. And this is Krista, who's a graduating fourth grader. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Our scripture reading today is found in Acts chapter 5, verses 17 through 32. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. The high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came in and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts, teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as hero and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Krista. Thank you for the third time, Ben. Thank you for being here to read God's word for us. This story, don't you think it's a perfect one for for Father's Day? It's because, at least by stereotyping us as men, um, people say we like action things. Or at least that's what we admit that we like. And I think women like action things too, but usually people think, well, they like chick flicks and romance things, and men don't admit that we do. So let's just go ahead and go into this thing, because this is one of those stories that is filled with action, I mean, and intrigue, and danger, and courage, there's even a supernatural rescue. Uh, did you notice the story as they were reading? I mean, these, these once timid Christians, who, who at one point they, they were afraid to do anything that God told them to do, are now out in the public place just doing what Jesus had told them to do. They were telling about Jesus. They were witnesses to him. And because the authorities didn't want them to, they seized them and put them into this awful public prison. But while they were there, you heard the story, an angel came in. And I'll tell you, the angels in the Bible are not like the little hallmark angels. They are powerful things. And and the angel is able to open up that prison door and set them free. And if you see a little bit later, 
Really wonderfully, the angel also nicely closes and locks the prison door. Isn't isn't that nice? Mothers, you're happy about that, I'm sure. And then the angel says to them, and this is what God tells you to do. Don't go and run and hide. Go right back into the public place and tell people about Jesus again. Would you do that? And they go and they go and do it. And even though they are seized once again and strictly told, don't use that name in public again. Just as strictly they go back and say, we are going to obey God rather than men. I'll tell you, when you read this story, uh, one of the main questions that comes to us is, where did they find that courage? Uh, Earlier we saw it came from God's Spirit coming to them, but in Acts chapter 5, there is a phrase that is used there that I'm going to be focusing on today. There's so many things I could say about this, but this phrase is this. That the one who was changing their lives, the one who had turned them from cowards into courageous people who would obey God, it's found in verse 31, was their hero and savior. That's, that's what they, the phrase that's used. Verse 31, you have to see what your translation says. We have found a savior, somebody who would rescue us, who has become our hero and we follow him. So I started chewing on that for a while. Because it seems to me that when you and I actually find somebody we admire, a hero, we we want to follow and we want to become a little bit like that person, right? Right? All right, I was thinking about when I was a little kid. This is Intergenerational Sunday. I was thinking about how this affected me when I was a little kid. So I'm going to take you way back into my childhood and show you one clip of a show that I used to love. So I'll let you see it. a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And now, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman. No. No. I'm sorry, it's not going to be an exciting episode in the adventures. You're going to get a sermon from Pastor Greg. But I used to love this. When I knew it was coming on, I would go and get a towel. And uh, I would take that towel and I would wrap it around my shoulders. And then when I would hear this program start, the music start coming on, I would turn around a couple of times in the closet because that's what Clark Kent would do, you know, when he would turn into Superman. I would come running. I would come running out of the closet Faster than a speeding bullet. I try to be that fast. More powerful than a locomotive. I try to be that able to leap a medium-sized couch in a single bound. And I would jump into my father's arms. Uh, I'll just tell you, I wanted to be like Superman. Uh, Somebody who fought evil. Somebody who did what is right. Uh, Somebody who would look for, for truth and justice and the American way. I found it to be inspiring. 
that have a hero. Now, I know in our day, a social scientist just mock that sort of thing. Do uh, you know why? They say because there aren't really any perfect heroes. So when you have a Superman type who always is on the side of truth and justice, nobody's like that, they said. In fact, in our day, the, the hero stories usually try to, like Batman, they try to have him mixed with a little bit of wrongdoing, with a little bit of good. And people say, well, that's the way, that's the way people really are. And now people can relate to that. But I'll tell you, I like Superman who uh, always did what was good and always did what was right. Now, you know, this is Intergenerational Sunday, and uh, George Reeves, who was uh, the one that I think of as Superman, when, when people watch him today, uh, often they say, but wait a minute, shouldn't he have worked out a little bit more? And he, he, he ate a little, a little bit too much food. They didn't have all of the diet regimens and weightlifting programs that we have in our day. So that most people, I think in college, it, it's Christopher Reeves, right? Or Reed, who, who's, and now there's a new movie just came out this last week. It's called Man of Steel. And I have wondered, will this new movie actually have Superman as being one who always pursues what is good and, and the evil guys as always being those who need to be defeated? Or will it get, sort of give in to this way that social scientists are talking now? He'll be a mixture of good and evil. Now, we had some people in church last night who were involved in making this Man of Steel, and they came up to me afterwards and said, no, no, no. Uh, Zack Snyder, who produced it, is really committed to this being that that old-time kind of hero. But but you know what social scientists are getting at, don't you? They look at us and they say there's no human being who's absolutely perfect and nobody can relate to a perfect person. And and, and those of us who are here, we know that's true. Uh, So that on, on Father's Day, if you really look at your father and expect your father to be absolutely perfect, your father will let you down. Uh, Even if you look at your pastors, we'll let you down too. Now, we should be on the way to all of that being true of us. But the social scientists are right in saying that there's no human being absolutely perfect, right? The other thing they say, though, that I think is absolutely wrong is that they try to say that there isn't any absolute good and evil anyway. So how can you have a Superman or somebody pointed out Lone Ranger was like this. Remember him? Always good. When he shot somebody, it was always the bad guy who was really bad. Only one bullet that, that, that it took. Uh, they, they say, but now we, we all know that there's no absolute good and there's no absolute evil. That, it's just in your perception. And that point, I'm telling you, they are wrong. Because in this world, I want you to know that there is real evil. Evil that needs to be defeated. There is real injustice that needs to be made right. We've all engaged in it. We need forgiveness. You need forgiveness too. But I want you to know that because there is a real hero who has come into this world, there is hope for you and me to have those things in our past to be watched clean. And because this hero who has come into this world is the only person who lived the way God made us to live and was willing to die on the cross in our place. There is hope for you and me. And that's the point I want to make today. The word that is used in Acts 5.31, if you have your Bibles, it would be good to bring your Bible to church. I think that would be a good thing to do. Don't you think so? If you look in Acts 5.31, you'll see that the word that was used for Jesus was not the way that I had Krista read it when she read it to us a few moments ago. 
they had found Jesus to be, and the way she read it was, hero and savior. Now, look in your versions, and, and you'll see that all sorts of other things are there. My, mine says, um, prince and savior. Some of them say, leader and savior. Some say, champion and savior, which I think is a little bit better. Some say, author and savior. But, but the word is archagos, and, and in Jesus' day, the way that word was almost always used, was for a hero. And, and what I'm seeing is, as we are looking for where are we going to be men, where are we going to find the courage? Actually, to take up roles to be leaders for God in our families. All of us, where are we going to find the courage to do what they did, to live for God when almost nobody else is, perhaps at school or in the workplace? And especially, where are we going to find the courage when nobody... Well, if people say to us the same things they said to them, don't use the name of Jesus. And we say, but he has told us we've got to be his witnesses. We've got to tell about Jesus. Where are we going to find the courage to do what God would have us to do? And one of the things that Acts 5 is just driving home to us is we've got to really meet Jesus. We've got to find him to be our savior. Then we've got to keep our eyes on him. And just like I as a little boy just wanted to be that one who would fight evil out of gratitude for who Jesus is and actually after finding the one I was made to know, the Lord over all lords, the hero of all heroes, when I meet him, my life can be changed. Now, as I wanted to say a few words to you about this, I thought, okay, if that's the word they used, archegos was their word for hero, what did they think of when they thought of a hero? And let me just mention a couple of things. Think about them. What is a hero? One, hero is the kind of person who is guided by a higher principle. Do you know what I mean by that? In other words, in our day, many people try to feel, no, even our politicians, what do I think is right? Well, I'm going to do a public opinion poll, and once I figure out what everybody else thinks, then that's what I'll think too. That isn't a hero. A hero believes in true honesty and integrity and in truth itself, and even if nobody else agrees, is going to pursue what is right and what is good and what is loving. And I'll tell you, when we meet Jesus, that's what we find. We find one who lived the truth, who pursued the truth, and even would say, I am the truth. Um, I, I was reading uh, an editorial by a man named Walter Truett Anderson. And he was saying he rued the loss of heroes in our day. He said that those who are leaders, who are shaping culture, are stars, not heroes. Do you know what he means by that? A star is somebody who can get himself or herself out in front of people and succeed. A hero says there's something higher, there's a higher principle I'm going to live for, I'm going to do right, even if nobody else is. A star just says, how can I sell more albums, how can I get more people to watch my movies? And he says, if we all just follow stars, then we'll all just live for ourselves and our world will be more and more divided. Do you see that? But the hero is somebody who says there is something that is good and right and true and I will pursue that and cause others to follow him. Does this make sense to you so far? What else is a hero? Second, a hero does the courageous good thing not out of necessity, not because he or she has to, but out of a choice to do what is right. 
So that the great heroes, when they made sacrifices, almost always would do it out of love. Somebody they cared about was in trouble. And out of love would make a big decision to sacrifice something valuable for that person. And you know, that's the Jesus these apostles had met. He knew he was going to give his life. He kept telling them that. And the way he put it in one place was this. No one is going to take my life from me. I'm going to lay it down of my own accord. Why would he do it? He said, I'm going to lay down my life for my sheep. See, sometimes people think that, uh, that what Jesus did was just gave us the example of love. And it was an example of love. But I think I've told you this before. Uh, women, if you're not married, if you met a guy and, and you're starting to date him for a while, and uh, you would turn to him and say, I, I don't know if you really love me. And you, just, you, you and Josh just got married. You say, Josh, you haven't told me that you love me in a long time. Do you really love me? And I said, well, I do. How, prove it to me, Josh. And Josh, you would say, well, Annie, here's what I'm going to do. Just to prove, here's how much I love you. And you go and run. You jump off a cliff to your death. With, and he said, well, that's what I wanted to see. <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about, right? No, you would say, what a nut. I think you would say that, Annie. Uh, because there isn't real love in it unless that act of sacrifice actually is an act of love rescuing a person in danger. And that's the second thing. that It's something that you do out of a choice because you want to rescue a person that you love. Do you see that? A hero doesn't do it because you have to, but because you have this love inside of you motivating you, which is that third thing, which is related to the first two. But then the hero in the old, the great old stories was always willing to use whatever he had to rescue somebody in danger. It was the damsel in distress. All the great stories have these kind of heroes. You remember the old melodramas? Uh, you must pay the rent. I can't pay the rent. You must pay the rent. I can't. Then I'm going to tie you, I don't know why, to a railroad track. <laughs> uh, and, and so the hero comes in and rescues her from that place. Those are the stories we love. Those are the stories we love. That's what I loved when I watched Superman as a kid. And I'll tell you, it's not just in our world. Any point in history, centuries ago, the great stories had these kinds of heroes. Uh, any culture in our world now. I'll tell you, we have people from all over the world who come to our church. In all of your cultures, there are these wonderful hero stories of people who sacrificed to rescue somebody they love out of the danger that they are in. I'll tell you, when I read those stories and I see that everybody reads them, here's what I think, and Tolkien actually talked about this. I think inside of us as human beings, there is a longing that a person like that really exists. Those heroes that we read about that are just legends, Superman or Batman or Iron Man, or those, they're pointing to a longing inside each of us that there really is somebody who always pursues what is good and who loves us with an everlasting love and is willing to give up anything to rescue us. Do you see that? Even when people don't want to know anything about the church and about the gospel, I try to go at this point and say, wait a minute, don't you have a longing for something like this? Now let me just tell you about Jesus, and if we can help people to see that Jesus is what they say He is, hero and savior, it will touch a longing in their hearts. And what happens is when we meet Him, Yes, he gives a spirit to us and that transforms us. 
But also there is a gratitude that comes up from knowing how much he loved us that makes me say at least, Lord, if you love me that much, I want to give my life to you. How would you have me to live? And that's what we see in these men. Read through Acts chapter 5. So they go out there. They're just normal people. And before they'd been afraid. And now Jesus has said, go be my witnesses. So they go out in the public place and they're his witnesses. And then the people seize them and throw them into prison. He gets them out of prison. <laughs> and, and the angel says, go back right in that same public place and preach about Jesus again. Would you do it? I would say, well, send somebody else. I didn't do very well last time. But they go and do it. Where do they find that courage? And when they're seized yet again, and the authorities say, there's one thing you can't do. Don't use that name anymore. They said, that's the one thing we have to do. We must tell you about the name of Jesus. And you know what had happened? They knew that even if evil came against them, that the one they followed was greater than any evil in this world. That's what the cross is about. All the, our sins and the sins of the world were thrown against them. Jesus absorbed them and offers us back forgiveness. You wonder, can your sins be forgiven? Let me just tell you, on the authority of God's word, because of the work of Jesus, they can. He can be your savior. And even the worst that this world can throw at you, death itself, he defeated it. So it changed everything for them. And it turned them into heroic people. And so here's the burden of what I, I want you to grab on this, this Father's Day. When we follow this Jesus, he calls us to do those kind of heroic saving acts on his behalf, such as Jesus did for us. What, what am I talking about? I'm talking about things that happen to you and me every day. Uh, children and coming to church. And this morning I, ha I had several parents tell me about this. Yes, that happened in our home. Uh, uh, sisters or brothers and sisters, they just want to yell at their brother and sister, getting angry at times or, or taking something that they know belongs to you. When you say, but God wouldn't have me do that to honor him, I will do this. It's an act that honors God. It's, it's something that's appealing to a higher good than just what I want. Do you see that? Of course, once you're not children anymore, you won't have temptations to do that stuff, right? No, no, no. You get into school, you get in school, and when you're in school, there are the temptations. You see all your friends around you cheating and finding ways to get by with things, and they get a higher grade, and you think, if I did it their way, I'll get ahead. You have a heroic decision to make. Will you do what is right because right is a higher value, or will you have that short-term gain? You ever felt that as a student? Am I the only one who ever did? Okay, I'll just give you this assurance. Once you've graduated from high school and college, you'll never have that temptation again. Ah, no. You get into business and you see everybody else succeeding by the way they treat people around them or even lying to make sales. And aren't you and I tempted to do that? We can, do, we can even rationalize it. If I make this big sale, even if it isn't quite with integrity, I'll give more to church next Sunday and Pastor Greg will be happy. But God won't be. See, when we do things simply to honor Him, and we do it because we're following this Lord, the Bible is telling us that when we look at Him, we're going to begin to find the strength to do the right thing, the heroic things. And I think, when I read Acts 5, that the particular battle that these disciples had to face, that you and I are going to have to face, where they were told, the one thing you can't do is go out into the public place and speak of Jesus. Don't you think that's coming to our society? 
More and more, I feel like we're going to be able to go out into the public arena and talk about anything except calling people to trust Jesus. And if it gets to be harder and harder, will you have the courage and the strength to do so? Where do we find the courage to do these heroic things that make a difference for the cause of Christ? So I'm going to give you just two things I want you to do in response. Just just so simple. The first is, I want you and me to learn to fix our eyes on this same Jesus that they fix their eyes on. Now I know that's language that doesn't that's out of the book of Hebrews chapter 12. But what I want you to do is to take time to learn what the Bible tells us about Jesus. Take time to remember who he is and what he has done. And allow his life to shape your own life. Um, How are you going to do that? Well, I want you to read through the Gospels. And if you're children, let me make you a few recommendations. For those of you beginning to read, we're going to give you this wonderful Bible. I want you to get one of these. And I'll tell you, adults, you might want to get one of these instead too. (laughs) If you find the language of the Bible hard to understand. Start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But also for parents, I'll just tell you this, in my own family, one of the, it's, it, it's hard for all of us to have times where we spend time with God together with our families. We don't know what to do. But if you will get, even if your children are really little, a toddler's Bible and just start this discipline of at night or maybe morning and night just to read one of these stories, it will become a part of the way of life. Where do I find one of those Bibles, Pastor? Ask Pastor Carol and she'll tell you. But I'll show you a website up here too. That, uh, can we find that website? There. I just got, a friend of mine who's involved with this just sent this to me this morning. It's childrensministry.com. Children's Ministry, no apostrophe in, after N, children's.com. And on there you will find that they list 13 different children's Bibles and give you good reviews of them. Go on there and find one and start reading it in your family and with your children. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, looking at Jesus will begin to shape your thinking. You'll understand again and again who he is. I was with a Jewish friend of mine uh, just a few weeks ago talking about some of these things. He's, he's a messianic, he's a believer now. And he he reminded me of this Old Testament notion of remembering. That when we take time to remember who he is and what he's done, it shapes our present day's decisions. So I I want you to fill your mind with who Jesus is so that you can fix your eyes on him. And if you're older than that, you don't have children in the home, I'll tell you, I want to show you this book because I love it. Um, Jesus Christ, Teacher, Savior, a servant and, and savior. It was done by John Stott. I had the blessing of having uh, Pastor Dr. John Stott as one of my mentors. This book is just a Bible study guide on the person of Jesus. When he first gave me one of these, I think it cost $1.99. They cost more than that now, but they're still less than $10. And they're so easy, just 13 studies fixing our eyes on Jesus. I want you to do that. Will you mark that down? It's easy to find these. They're not too expensive. Easy to follow. I don't want you to read that. Then fixing your eyes on Jesus. Then comes the part we've got to do. When the hard decision comes, will I do what God would have me to do? Will I obey God or obey my own desires or other people? Make new commitments. Make them daily to obey Jesus. 
You'll have to read through Acts 5 yourself, but let me just tell you, the bottom line question in Acts 5 is, whom will I obey? They had their own desire, I want to do this, would they obey their, their desires or God's? Later they had the authority to say, you can do anything, but don't use the name of Jesus. They had to decide, would they obey God or the authorities? They had to obey God. And then they saw the glory of God. Listen to me. This matter of making these times of consciously deciding to obey him. Right now, think about a hard decision that might be standing in front of you. Think about what that might be. Uh, to speak of him at work or at church, to, to, um, to go onto that website or not to go onto that website. Think about that hard decision. Whom will you obey? Listen, when these disciples obeyed, they found courage to do what they otherwise could never have done. Do you see that? When they, when they obeyed, they saw other people come to faith in Jesus. Through, through their, they felt like, I'm sure, weak words. They just obeyed and God empowered their words. When they obeyed, they saw an angel come into the jail and open the doors. I'm just telling you, I think sometimes when people say to me, Pastor, why don't we see miracles in our lives today like they did back in the Bible's times? One of the reasons may be that we're not obeying God. When you simply obey God and you find yourself in a tough place, let me tell you, He will show up. He will show up. So I pray, brothers and sisters, that you and I may take this uh, message from Acts chapter 5. Fix your eyes on Him. Know Him as your Savior and your hero. And I tell you, you will see His glory. I'm going to leave you with the end of the story. It's found in Acts in chapter 5, verses 40 to 42. Look what happened. So, after they'd imprisoned them for the second time, the ruling council called in the apostles and flogged them. Why did they do that? They charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. What are the apostles going to do? But... The apostles left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. May we do the same. And we will see his glory. Amen. Let me lead us in prayer. Father, we gather here in this place centuries after this happened, and yet it just seems to me the issues they faced, the courage they needed, it's the same for us. So, Father, speak to us through your word. Help us to fix our eyes upon our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loved us with an everlasting love the hero, the completer of our faith. Father, if some of us, I imagine all of us, are facing some of those decisions, whether we have to decide whether to go your way or our own, whether to speak of Jesus or not, even now, Father, we fix our eyes upon the love of Jesus. Give us courage to make the right decision. And then use us, Father. 
that many may see you in us and be drawn to you. Father, if there are some here today who have never known Jesus as Savior and know they need their sins forgiven and a new life to begin, Father, may they even now use whatever words they have to say, here are my sins, Lord, take them, forgive me. I trust you, Jesus, to be my Savior. Father, do whatever work in us that you would do. For those walking through tough times, help them even now to know that there are no times greater than your strength. There are no failures greater than your grace. Deepen our love for you, that we may deepen our walk with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.